This morning I put on a nice sweater because it was 25 degrees outside. I walked around my bedroom, get ready to go. All right, Kelly, I see you. She said, you wore that two weeks ago. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I had to check the YouTube, and sure enough. <laughs> I was sharing with somebody back in the day before we had that luxury, there was one time that uh, I wore the same thing two Sundays in a row. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a challenge to be a pastor. <laughs> the good news is, I believe God has a word for us today. Already, I feel like the Holy Spirit has blessed us. None of us deserve that. None of us deserve what God has already done. Amen. Luke chapter 15. Each one. Verse 1 through 2 says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Today I stand before you to remind you that you and I are sinful people, all saved if we choose to accept the gift of salvation by the grace of God and the power of the cross. And the religion of that time and even the religion of today would cast stones and say, you're not worthy to be in the presence of God. But Jesus and his sacrifice proved otherwise as the veil was torn from top to bottom in the temple signifying that now we can be in the presence of God. And aren't you thankful that today we have been in the presence of God? Amen? Listen, before I pray and go into our message today, I was thinking how thankful I am. And sometimes we just need to take a step back and thank God for his goodness. And even with the little things, you know, two years ago, this was shut down. Here at Greater Life, it was just shut down for a, a few weeks, but nonetheless, it was, it was shut down. Some churches remained closed and never opened back up. And, and I remember when we opened back up, we had, the, we had the seats in special spots, and everybody would walk in, and you had those folks that, um, that would walk in, and, and you know they didn't care, and then you had those that were on the other side and, and, and fearful, and, and then you had everything in between. And we gave out armbands, greens and yellows and reds. And oh, thank you, Jesus. And then I got it, and it was not fun. And I had people tell me on the back end of when I got it, spent time in the hospital, before you got it, I thought it was fake. I'm like, well, it's not. There's something there, but you know, God is bigger. 
I'm reminded of the VeggieTales song. God is bigger than the what, if you know it? The boogeyman. Yes, he is. <laughs> and can I just, I was talking to somebody on the way in today, and I said, man, the whole COVID thing must have been even more challenging for the European people. Because, you know, here we, you know, we shake hands and we pat each other on the back. And, you know, we may even hug, but, you know, them Europeans, they're all about kissing each other on the face. Now, hey, mwah, mwah. I mean, they're, they're, they, went, they were a whole nother level, so they had to back up a whole nother level. Can you imagine, you know, the poor Europeans, they can't even touch it. Hey, mwah, mwah, you know. And I'm just so thankful, if I can be honest, the fact that I don't have to guess. Do we, what are we going to do here? Who are you and what do you want to do? Can, can we just, can we just thank God right now for his goodness, for being past all of that? Oh, but Pastor Andrew, we're not past it. We are past it in Jesus' name. Amen? I, I'm telling you, I'm standing here today, and if we learned anything, what we did learn is that two years stole a lot of people's joy. But aren't you thankful that God restores what's been stolen? And I'm looking around today, and I'm thinking to myself, my goodness. It literally was two years ago that we had a, a plan of where are we going to put people. We need an overflow. Let's put them in a closet. There's that closet in there and put a big TV on the wall. And they'll, they'll love it. <laughs> we really thought that. Thank God he, he didn't allow us to move forward with that plan. We were going to make the worship team go in there. We got a new building coming up in the back. And I'm not bragging on anything that this guy's doing because this guy's helpless without the without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I just, I feel, sometimes I feel like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, Lord, but don't. Amen? Because people need Jesus. But I will tell you that as of next week, we're going to add the overflow through the barn doors. So if you want one of the nice chairs, get here early. We're going to put them hard plastic ones outside in the lobby. <laughs> Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you care for us so much. Thank you for the privilege that we have to sit in this place, to hear your word, to love on one another, and to truly gather in your presence. Show us what you would have us see in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 15. There are three parables that Jesus gives to illustrate the point about the lost, about the one, about the importance of the one. And we can never overstate that because you never know what that one will go on and do with their life. We think of heroes of the faith and who led them to the Lord. 
who prayed them into the kingdom, not just the one that actually prayed the prayer at the altar or discipled them. What about the family or the grandmother or the whoever was able to pray and to be a part of that strategic plan? Only in heaven will we begin to see these things unpack and unfold on how God was able to use us to do something impactful for the kingdom. I don't know about you, but even the best of things that I could have on this earth don't compare to the treasures that could be in the kingdom in heaven. I could have billions of billions of dollars. Recently I saw a side-by-side picture. <laughs> I uh, gotta go here, but uh, you'll have to forgive me. A side-by-side picture of a man named Jeff Bezos. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's uh, the leader, owner of Amazon, and there was a side-by-side picture of him and how he used to look. And for the sake of not getting too far off track, we don't have that, but how he used to look and then how he looks now, and it shows you what billions of dollars can do. And then there was another one of Elon Musk, the owner of Tesla, and how he used to look and how he looks now. And if you want to have a little bit of a entertainment this afternoon, you can see how much a lot of money can do for your physical appearance. But can I tell you that no amount of money can ever save your soul? And there are so many people that are working so hard to get all that they can in this lifetime just to leave it behind. King Solomon and Ecclesiastes kept coming back to this idea about I work so hard, I toil so hard, I, 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 I work feverishly, and yet for what? To leave to someone that will enjoy it long after I'm gone? I'll never be able to truly enjoy it. Friend, your legacy is not how much money you have in the bank. Your legacy is not how much influence you have in the workplace. Your legacy is how much kingdom impact you've had in this lifetime. And you'll never realize that until the other side. Yesterday we did a funeral for a precious lady named Sandy who had a voice that would literally stop you in your tracks. One of the things we talked about was the fact that even though her mind was taken over with Alzheimer's and even though her body was deteriorating, it was an interesting thing to see that her faith and her love of Jesus grew even in the midst of all the physical problems because it's deeper than the surface of your physical body. It's a spiritual connection. I remember before my dad passed, he would sit in his chair and he would be moving back and forth between heaven and earth in his mind. All of a sudden, he'd start singing and throw his hands up in the air. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And we thought, what happened to him? But God was beginning to prepare him for that call home. I think of last week as we did the special song, and my buddy Clyde sang a song called Homecoming. And I leaned over to our guest speaker that day. I said, that guy got shot in the head not that long ago. And his testimony is God saved him. Saved him for a reason. And he knows it. And then I see this young man, Andrew, singing his heart out in worship before the Lord and knowing that these are, these are men that have stories of God's goodness and mercy in their life. 
Let's get into it. Luke chapter 15, verse 3. Number one, if you're keeping notes, the one lost in the wilderness. The one lost in the wilderness. So Jesus told them this story. If a man had a hundred sheep and one gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for them? The one that is lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Does that mean that there's no joy for those that haven't strayed away? Of course not. Because the 99 others that haven't strayed away were the one at one point in time. Are you with me? Come on. We forget that. In this parable sometimes, they, oh, they're so excited about the one that strayed away. Well, I never strayed away. Well, at some point, you were lost in your sin, and Jesus intervened on your behalf. And that was when the rejoicing happened. And we should never, ever, ever stop rejoicing when the lost come to Christ. In the wilderness, this sheep had wandered off. Now, let me be honest with you. We know just from science and from different studies of shepherds and sheep is that sheep are really stupid animals. And it is an interesting how Jesus uses sheep to illustrate some of us, the church. You see, the danger is when you get away from the shepherd. Are you with me? The shepherd is your protector. He is your teacher. He is your provider. And when we wander away from the shepherd, bad things happen. Sheep were never designed to go off and live on their own without the, without the flock. Sheep are picked off by coyote when they wander away from the flock. Sheep die when they wander away from the flock. Yet the shepherd has enough conviction and calling within him in this parable to go and get this lost sheep. The one in the wilderness, this is the person that has wandered away that was once a part of the flock. We believe that, that you have the opportunity to both say, yes, I accept the gift of salvation from you, Jesus, and after you've made that decision, you also have the opportunity to walk away and say, I have nothing to do with this gift of salvation. God, leave me alone. I believe that. I believe you have the free will to do that. The wilderness. Some of us have been in that position for the last couple of years. Lost our jobs. Even been alienated by our families. There has been such strife and hurt and anger because of a medical decision in our society over the past couple of years. It's just heartbreaking. Never in history have we seen families divided over something like that. Can you imagine before all this happened that I chose not to get the flu vaccine and you say well you can't come over to my house anymore can you imagine but that is what's happened to people we've all experienced a wilderness moment our poor children 
children forced to wear masks. And can I just tell you that now they're beginning to understand that speech impediment, learning disabilities, and so many other things have literally showed up in our children because of what was done to protect them. I'm not a politician, and I never will be. Well, I don't want to say never because I said I'd never plan a church. Um, <laughs> as soon as I say it, God says, you're doing it. I'm like, no, 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 I didn't say it, Lord. I didn't say it. I don't want to be. But at the end of the day, this has gone far beyond politics, and it never was supposed to be about it. We as people of the Spirit should be listening to the Spirit. The one lost in the wilderness, my heart grieves. And I still, in my mind, as a pastor, see the faces of the people that were on the edge of discipleship and coming into the family of God. And then COVID happened, and we never saw them again. I'm mad about that. Oh God, let us find those in the wilderness. The ones that are in the wilderness are lonely and afraid. And sometimes all it takes is us reaching out one more time. Number two, the one lost in the house. Luke chapter 15, verse eight through 10. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver cones, coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call all her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I've found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Here again, we have the same type of illustration, but it's not in the wilderness, it's in the house. I don't think it would shock you if I were to tell you there are people sitting in church pews that are as lost as anybody else. They put on a appearance of serving the Lord Jesus or, or doing their religious duty, and it's far beyond that, friend. There are so many people that are outside of the church that won't step in, foot inside of the church because they know somebody that goes to church and they're hypocrites. I'm a pastor's kid, and I remember far too often doing whatever I wanted to do. You say, Andrew, what'd you do? None of your business. Doing whatever I wanted to do in high school and, and hanging out with my friends at the McDonald's at Arboretum. That's right, that's my age. It was new when I was in high school. And I remember hanging out and, and cutting up, and then on Sunday, it seemed like almost every time I'd hang out and cut up, there'd be an evangelist in the church on that Sunday. I don't know if Dad planned it that way or what was going on, but it seemed like the Lord had my number, and the evangelist would get up there and say, listen, he'd say something like this, you, you can come to the altar and make it right right now, or you can walk out of here and get hit by a bus. or hit by a train. Any kind of vehicle could potentially hit you if you don't make it right, right then. I'm gonna tell you what, 
This young man right here was the first one at the altar every time that call came. Oh, I got to go, man. I ain't getting hit by nothing. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I sat there because my relationship with Jesus has been something that didn't mean what it should have meant to me. It was not the number one thing in my life. I wanted to party. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to cut up. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't in an attitude of prayer and in a pattern of prayer. But I was saying to God that you don't mean enough to me as all these other things. And I needed to come back and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I was lost in the house. So don't, don't assume today, friend, that just because you come here on a weekly basis, you got nothing to worry about. I'm telling you, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. It's my prayer. It's my hope that everybody in here today knows Jesus, loves Jesus, walks with Jesus. But I know, statistically speaking, that there are folks that are just, maybe I just maybe serve the Lord a little bit. It's an all or nothing thing. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. Number three, the one in distant lands. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. There he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out. Great famine swept over the land. He began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him. No one gave him anything. What about the one in distant lands? What do we do about them? I believe this means two things. Number one, we, we can preach a long sermon about the prodigal son and who he is and, and unpack all of that and rebellion. But I, what I want you to see is that maybe you're called to do something about the prodigal. This is a message on evangelism. This is a message on missions. This is a message on going and doing something with the gift that you've been given. You may sit here today and say, I haven't got a gift yet. I'm going to give it to you today. And then it's your opportunity to share it with someone else. The one lost in distant lands. I'll put it to you this way. There are families that have been praying for their lost loved ones for years. Maybe, maybe you are the answer to that prayer. Because I'll tell you this much, that family member or that friend or that loved one that they've been praying for has turned off the influence of their family. They won't listen to their mother, their father, their brother, their loved one. They won't listen to them anymore. They have turned that off. Yet maybe God huh, could send you to that prodigal to be a new voice, a voice of reason, a voice of power and impact, a voice of testimony. Pastor, I don't understand. I'm telling you right now, God is sovereign and he sees it all. 
And he could position you in someone's life to reach a a prodigal that someone else has been praying for for a couple of dozen years and see them saved. Scripture tells us how we reach out to these people. Just a few moments I'll share with you about these boxes, but I first want to answer this question Three questions for us today in correspondence with these ones that have been lost. Number one, how to to find the one who wanders. The one who wanders, the sheep that we mentioned, I believe talks about someone who's backslidden from the faith. Someone that was in the flock and went away from the flock. How do you find the one that wanders? Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is... Uh, talk right there was about the end times. In verse 9, he tells his disciples, you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away. Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Your walk with Jesus is a marathon, and it requires endurance. It isn't a decision you made at five years old. It isn't something that your grandma was a member of such and such a church, and therefore you're in it. That's not how it works. Your decision to follow Christ is a daily decision to pick up your own cross and to follow after him. In verse 14, Jesus says, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. On Wednesday night, we're talking about prophecy, we're talking about end times, and we're talking about current events and how all that lines up. And I'm telling you right now, what I have found is in this passage is that right before the end, the Bible tells us clearly, many will turn away. Can I tell you, statistically speaking, there has, in my knowledge, has never been a falling away from the church that has happened in the past couple of years. How can you reach the one that wonders? Be consistent in your life. Stop being a hypocrite. Your testimony is only as good as your actions. Persistent prayer. On Monday night at 7, we have one opportunity a week and many opportunities on your own. But on Monday night at 7, we get together for corporate prayer with live worship, with some teaching on prayer at 7 o'clock on Monday nights. Man, it's awesome. It's a great way to start your week. Finally, love and action. Do something. Hey, man, I love you. Hey, can you give me a ride? Ah. I got this thing, you know. Love and action. Number two, how do we find the one who doubts? Revelation chapter three says this. I know all the things you do, that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. 
Hold it firmly. Repent and turn to me. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as an unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white for they are worthy and they are victorious and will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my father and his angels that they are mine. What do you do? How do you reach the one that doubts? Start with being genuine and authentic. Can I tell you one of the greatest ways for you to reach someone who's lost is to tell them that you once were lost too. Your testimony does have power. Revelation 3 goes on in verse, 15, uh, verse 16. It says, you are like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. Guys, the days of being lukewarm are far gone. God is not one to be played with. Either we're in it or we're not. Can I tell you as a pastor, I want folks that are going to say, we're in it. I'd rather have 10 or 100 or 200 or 15, whatever, pick a small number. I'd rather have them in it to do something great for the kingdom than over 1,000 eh, kind of hanging on. How do we get there? Start. Take the first step. <laughs> Jesus, I choose you. Yes, Lord, I'll obey you. Yes, I'll pray. Yes, I'll read scripture. Yes, I'll pattern my life after what you've called me to do. Keep saying yes to Jesus and get closer and closer to the potential he's called you to. How do we find the one who rebels? Back to the prodigal son. The father found himself sitting on the porch. Jesus uses this to show an illustration that when he finally came back to his father, he had literally come to his senses. He had hit rock bottom. Can I tell you, sometimes we need to pray, Lord, do whatever you have to do to bring them to their senses. And sometimes we find ourselves fighting against God and things just go, keep going from bad to worse. Can I tell you, that's part of the process in coming to your senses sometimes. We celebrate when the one who rebels comes back. We don't hit him over the head and say we shouldn't have run off in the first, in the first place. We celebrate. In each case, in these three examples, there was a time of searching, say searching, and a time of celebration, say celebration. If we don't ever do the searching, maybe we never get to the celebration. Say that one more time. If we never are willing to do the searching, we may never experience the celebration. The shepherd left the 99 to search for the one. The lady cleaned up the house to get the one. The father rejoiced when he saw the prodigal coming. Church, get ready. Get ready to search because I want to be a church that's ready to celebrate. Amen? Evangelism is the seeking of the lost through relationship and conversation. Prayer lays the foundation for success and for strategy that gives goals and guidance to what we hope to accomplish. I'm going to ask Joy and Mike and Joel to come to the front, please. Joy, you're over here in front of these uh, boxes, and Mike and Joel, you guys can stand in front of either one of these. 
Typically at this point in time, we give some type of a call or a prayer and we, we're excited to see people saved, set free and, and awesome things happen at the altar. Today, today's altar call is a little different. Y'all, you come over here for me. These precious people up here are bold and ready. Ready to do something. We have three teams that we're establishing. Joy to my right, your left is our young adult coordinator for evangelism for this project. These boxes that you'll see behind her are evangelism outreach kits. There's uh, resources for you. There's a how-to on evangelism. There's an app called Every Home for Christ that you can get on and you can click on houses in your neighborhood and say, I've prayed for that one, I've prayed for that one, I've talked to that one. You can engage people. I want everybody to take one of these home with them. Joy's project is universities. She already started this past week and went to UNCC. She's gonna go to universities. If you're a young adult in the house and you wanna join her in that effort, or if you have a, a heart for young adults and you don't think it's weird for you to walk up to a young adult, maybe you could go and sign up with Joy. Are you guys offended by that? You're supposed to laugh. But I do feel like this opportunity at the universities is gonna really do something for people. Come and see her in just a few moments when we close. Grab a kit, sign up. Pastor Mike is here. How many of you guys love Pastor Mike? He's awesome. He's awesome. There's about, about 10 of them. Um, <laughs> Pastor Mike is here. His assignment is neighborhoods. That's right, door to door. Well, what about going door to door? People, listen, that guy selling roofs in your neighborhood don't care. We're bringing the gospel. Amen? Amen. Pastor Mike is going to establish a team for evangelism and uh, in neighborhoods and door to door. And we're excited about what Pastor Mike's going to do. And then we have Joel here to my left and your right, who did this last year. It was a challenge, wasn't it, brother? Door to door thing was hard to do. So he found his niche and he found his opportunity in parks and in marketplace, like shopping centers and different things and just striking up conversations with people. So he'll be going to places like that and sharing the gospel. All of you, whether you're a member here or not, come and get a kit as far as they'll go and do something with it. Some of you sign up, universities, neighborhoods, marketplaces and public areas, Sign up for one of these teams. They're going to coordinate with you. Listen, I'm telling you, we have work to do. As we mentioned already, as you go out, there are tickets. The last Sunday of the month, we're having a spring festival right after church. We're just going to eat and play and have a great old time. And then the first Sunday in April, we go to two services, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. 9 and 11 that doesn't mean you wait to then to invite somebody because we're going to set up extra seating as I've mentioned already because we believe that should the Lord tarry, we'll get to April, but maybe he'll show up before then. Amen? Would you pray with me? Reach your hands up toward these three people that are leading this effort. Lord Jesus, I pray your anointing would be upon joy, upon might, upon Joel. God, that they would do what you've called them to do. Lord, that you would send them the team that they need to reach people for your sake. Help us, God. Help us to be bold, to be anointed 
to be people of the Spirit outside of these four walls. God, bring a harvest. You are the Lord of the harvest. Bring a harvest. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.